0: Alright, what's up everybody? Aren't you thankful for Pastor Mark? Don't you appreciate him? His ministry here to the church. I've got some cool walk-up music now. It's going to be an every Sunday thing. I'm just going to come strolling up and just a kick and jam like a wrestler coming out of the back. Come on. Living my childhood dreams here. Um, hey, we're, uh, we're going to get into the message, uh, but I, I do want to share this real quick. While we were singing that last song Firm Foundation, I just saw in my mind some of you standing on, uh, on what looked like a razor-thin piece of rock, but what God wants you to know is that razor-thin piece of rock is His firm foundation. And while everything is falling away, uh, you're secure and you're safe as long as you're standing on that rock. And I saw things like the economy falling away and the worldly affairs falling away and what's happening in our country. All these things, everything that can be shaken is being shaken, but you are safe where you're standing Do not get off the rock that is Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. That's a word for somebody today. Well, we are in week three of our message series called Playlist, 80s on 8. We celebrated our eight-year anniversary as a church just a couple of weeks ago. And to celebrate, we've been having an 80s party Come on, we've been highlighting some of our favorite songs from one of the greatest music decades of all time. I know some of you are haters of the 80s, but I want to tell you something. The 80s rocked, and you know they did, and your heart of hearts, you know the 80s were awesome. And so we've been highlighting a different song each week, some of our favorites, and talking about some biblical truth. We've been challenging ourselves with what the Bible says about how to live our life on mission for Jesus in week one. We talked about the power of love. My good friend, Pastor Matt Erickson from Mercy City Church was here. He brought a great message on how God wants to do a work in us so that he can do a work through us. Uh, And then in week two, last week, I preached a message about living with big faith in God called Don't Stop Believing. And uh, if you missed either one of those messages, let me just encourage you to go online this week and get caught up on the Life Chapel podcast or on our YouTube channel. They will be a blessing to you. But today... As we continue our series, I want to highlight another hit from the 80s, one that is not quite as popular as Don't Stop Believing is, but it it did reach number one on the Billboard Top 100 charts. It stayed there for a little while. It came out in 1987. The singer was Belinda Carlisle. The song was Heaven is a Place on Earth. Come on, somebody, you remember that? Come on, you know you love that song. Oh, baby, do you know what it's worth? Oh, heaven is a place on... Yeah, you know the song. That's right. Some of you are like, I don't think I know that one. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. That's a great song. We're going to talk about heaven on earth today. Come on, let's pray and ask God to speak to us through his word. Father, we love you. We praise you and give you thanks, Lord for who you are and what you've done already, God. But we're asking you, Lord, to move in our hearts today through your word. I pray, God, that as your word goes forth, the Holy Spirit would go forth in power to save, heal, and set free. I pray that your word would come alive in us, God, that it would pull things out of us that we didn't know were there, Lord, so that we can live our lives uh, to glorify you completely and fully. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Well I want you to look at this scripture with me from Matthew chapter four, verse 17. It's a real, real quick uh, piece of scripture that I want to share with you, but it simply says, "From that time on, Jesus began to preach. And this was his message: "Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near." Now, according to Matthew. This was the first message that Jesus preached when He began His ministry on the earth. This was after He was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, after He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus came out of those two events and He began preaching. He began His earthly ministry of preaching and teaching. And it's interesting to me that the first topic that Jesus chose to preach about when He started His earthly ministry was the kingdom of heaven. Before he preached about anything else, before he called his first disciples, before he healed anybody, before he set anybody free, before anybody got saved, Jesus came preaching a simple message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's interesting to me that he started his ministry that way, and it's just as interesting to me that he finished his ministry on the earth by also preaching about the kingdom of of heaven, if you look at it in Acts chapter one, verse three, he he focused on the same topic even at the very end in Acts one and three. It says, after his suffering, as after he died on the cross and rose from the dead, after his suffering, he presented himself to them. The them is his followers, and he gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This message of Jesus on the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, they're used interchangeably in the Gospels. They act as bookends on the earthly ministry of Jesus. He started his ministry by preaching on the kingdom, and he ended his ministry by preaching on the kingdom. And what that tells me is that this message, the kingdom, was central to Jesus' mission on the earth. It was an important message. It's the one that he wanted to make sure his followers got. He started with the preaching of the kingdom of heaven because it was foundational to his mission. He finished with the kingdom of heaven because it was foundational to our mission, the mission of the church. I'm not talking about just the people who were there in the book of Acts and saw him go up into the sky. I'm talking about you and me, the followers of Jesus, even still today. The preaching of the kingdom of heaven is foundational to everything that we do. The kingdom of heaven has come near, is what Jesus said. Therefore, you must repent. Now, that word in the Greek, the word repent, simply means to change your way of thinking. It is to change your way of thinking. This is what Jesus was saying. Think differently because heaven is now invading the earth. You've got to start thinking about things differently. And Jesus talks about this theme, the kingdom of heaven, a total of 31 times in the Gospel of Matthew alone. And if you'll read that, if you'll read the Gospel of Matthew, you'll see that in almost every one of those passages where he's preaching and teaching about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about it in terms of some place that we're going to go one day. He's talking about it as the kingdom of heaven has come near to where we are. It has come down to where we are. He would he would talk about in the parables, there are so many parables in the gospel of Matthew that begin like this, the kingdom of heaven is like. He's not talking about where we're going one day. He's talking about how to live as followers of Jesus, as the people of God right now on the earth. Jesus, when he came to us on mission, he brought something from heaven down to the earth. See, he did not come to establish himself in the current order of things. He did not come to overthrow Rome. This is what the disciples couldn't get until after the day of Pentecost. Really, they never fully understood what Jesus was saying. He didn't come to overthrow Rome and get Rome out of Israel and out of the land of Israel. He did not come to overthrow an earthly kingdom of or over take an earthly system that was already in place, like what was going on in the temple in Jerusalem, he came to establish something totally new and different something that was literally out of this world because the kingdom of heaven is nothing like the kingdoms of this world. He was not a king looking to conform his kingdom to the ways of the world. No, he was a king coming to bring his kingdom that would supersede all others. That's why Revelation chapter 11 verse 15 says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Jesus, watch this, he preached about an invisible kingdom with visible, demonstrable results. You don't see this kingdom with your eyes. You see it by faith. But when you see it by faith, you see the results. In fact, it's impossible to miss the results. Because as Jesus went about preaching this message throughout Israel, preaching the message of the kingdom. Blinded eyes were open. He preached the kingdom. And then the lame got up and began to walk. He preached the kingdom. And those living under the rule and authority of darkness came out of that darkness and into his marvelous light. People found freedom as they heard and received the message of the kingdom. He preached the kingdom of heaven. And then the will of heaven began to break out all over the earth. Everywhere the kingdom was declared, the authority of the kingdom showed up with signs and wonders Jesus was here on mission and part of his mission was to make heaven a place on earth and he came to call citizens of earth to become transformed and become citizens of heaven so that heaven again is not just a place beyond the blue that we're working hard to somehow make it to one day No, heaven is already in the hearts of its hearers. Heaven is not something we're working to achieve. It is the outworking of a life that is already settled there by faith, that has already moved in by faith, that has already established my place in the mansion that God, God has laid up for me in glory. I'm not just waiting and biding my time until he calls me home. He's put something from heaven in me, and I'm here to make a difference on the world until he calls me home. That's why Paul, listen, that's why Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 called the Holy Spirit a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He's giving you something from heaven so that you can make a difference, so that you can live your mission here on the earth. I am going to heaven one day. That is Real, but I'm also here living out a mission on the earth to release what's been deposited to me through the power of the Holy Spirit by the grace of God to bring transformation to as many people on this planet as I can to chase away the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ and to call, call those that are still living in darkness into His marvelous light because His way is so much better. Jesus was here on mission with a heavenly assignment. And we're here with a heavenly assignment as well. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look, look with me at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gathers his 12 disciples to himself. And he gathered them together. And you'll notice he didn't say, now, you know, huddle up, everybody. Huddle up. Here's the play. You know, huddle up. This is what you're going to do. You're going to watch me do what I do. Everybody, just be glad you're on the winning team, but you're not needed. I'm the star here. I'm the one who's going to do everything, and you just get to watch me do it. So everybody just take a seat and watch me work. Watch heaven come. Watch this. That's not what Jesus did. He gathered his 12 disciples to himself, and then he sent them out on mission as well. But before he sent them out to do ministry, look what he said to them in verse 7. He said to them, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. It's the same message he had been preaching. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely you have received, now freely give. He sent them out to declare the same message that he himself had come to preach. The invisible kingdom has come near to where you are. And as they proclaimed this spiritual kingdom, there was a visible demonstration of the power of that kingdom in that the sick were healed and and the dead were raised and the lepers were cleansed and demons were driven out. He told them, freely you've received, now freely give. Now watch this with me. Jesus was letting them know That the grace they received from God was not just for them, it was for others as well. He told them, what you've received from me, you are not to hoard and hold on to yourself and just wait to get to glory. No, no, you are to release it so that somebody else who is far from me can be brought near to me by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. This is one of those scriptures that we might say is kind of a cue to our calling. Because Jesus has commanded us to do the same thing. He's called us to become people who declare the kingdom of heaven has come near. And not just to stop with making a declaration like the kingdom of God is here. Now figure it out. No, no. The kingdom of heaven is here and now here is this demonstration of what the kingdom looks like. God begins to transform your mind. God begins to set you free. God begins to work a healing in your body and in your heart. God begins to take away the pain of your past and heal that. God begins to eliminate the power that your past used to hold over you and heal that. God begins to take you into things that you've never even dreamed possible for your life because you're not even living the way you to used to live, things begin to change because the kingdom of heaven has been declared, and now the kingdom of heaven is going to work in its hearers. He's commissioned us to do the ministry that he started on the earth. Back in January, I preached a message called Kingdom Advance, and in that message, I highlighted three concepts for kingdom advancement. That we see in the ministry of Jesus. Everything that he did was as an example for us to follow. And our mission is the same mission that Jesus had on the earth. I just want to be real clear about something. The church is not a a separated or competing entity with the person and work of Jesus Christ The Bible says that he is the head of the church. We are following him. We take our cue from him. We're not recreating methods and systems. We don't have to recreate the way the will works. We are simply walking in lockstep with our leader who is Jesus Christ. And he showed us the way and commissioned us to join him in the way and to minister that way. And so the method, system, strategies, certainly the message of the church should not differ much at all from what we see in the ministry of Jesus throughout the Gospels or in the early church in the book of Acts. And back in January, I really felt like the Lord showed me something uh, that I shared with you. He showed me something in a very simple way, that there were three concepts of ministry and mission that we see in the life and ministry of Jesus that cause His kingdom to advance on the earth. And and consequently, they're the same thing that we're called. There are three concepts of ministry that we're called Uh, To that, will that will cause the kingdom of God to advance on the earth? And I want to go back and highlight some of these, and then I want to focus on one of them today. But these three concepts for kingdom advancement you'll remember in the ministry of Jesus first of all, is come and see, come and see. And as you read the gospels and you read about the ministry of Jesus on the earth, you can't help but notice that Jesus had a come and see approach to ministry for example in john chapter 1 verse 35 look at it it says the next day john was there again with two of his disciples now the john that's there that the bible talking about here is john the baptist and so when he saw jesus passing by he said in a loud voice look the lamb of god and when the two disciples heard him say this they followed jesus turning around jesus saw them following and asked what do you want and they said rabbi which means teacher Where are you staying? Now watch how Jesus responds to them in verse 39. He says, come and you will see. Come and you will see. The first invitation from Jesus to these two disciples was simply to come and see. Come and follow me and you're going to see something that I want to show you. Now the disciples wanted to know what hotel Jesus was staying at. They're like, are you staying at the Holiday Inn Express, or are you at the Hampton Inn, or you know, did you did you uh, you know use some big bucks and stay at the really nice hotel in the center of town? There, you know, they want to know where are you staying. But look what Jesus says. He says you're you're talking to me about an earthly habitation, but I'm about to show you something way more cool, way more important. Jesus wanted to show them heaven on earth. This is really. Where I'm at. This is where I come from. It's heaven on earth. In fact, multiple times we see Jesus simply telling somebody to come and follow. Come and follow me. And when you come and follow me, you're going to see something that will change the way you see everything else for the rest of your life. For example, in John chapter 1, Jesus told another disciple named Nathaniel that if he would come and follow him, he would see greater things than he had ever seen with his eyes before. And then in John chapter 1 verse 51, Jesus added these words. He said, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. If you want to come after me, Nathaniel, James, John, Philip, Peter, if you want to come after me, you're going to see heaven open. Why? Because Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven down to the earth. And everywhere that he went, preaching the message of the kingdom, the power of heaven showed up, confirming his message with signs and wonders and transformation for people's lives. So Jesus, we see it throughout the Gospels, Jesus advanced the kingdom of heaven, with a come and see model of ministry. Come and see it for yourself. Come and see heaven at work on the earth. But that's not all there was to his ministry. Jesus also advanced his kingdom with this next concept that I gave you. It's learn from me. He advanced his kingdom with this concept of ministry. Learn from me. If you look at Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. The Bible says or Jesus said to them. He said come to me all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, I love this verse because it lets us know that the invitation from Jesus is not just come and see, it is come and receive. It is come and experience. Put yourself in proximity to me. Kingdom of heaven has come near. You're going to experience that. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'm going to give you something you need. I'm going to give you rest. Now, look at verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. "...for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy." And My burden is light. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying it's great that you came to see me. It's great that you've, you've come and you can see what, what, what I can do. But now I want you to move from simply being a spectator to becoming a participator. I want you to stay with me and follow me. I want, you to, I want you to learn from me. I want you to give me the opportunity to pour myself into you because heaven is not just something you see with your eyes. Heaven is going to get on the inside of you. And when heaven gets on the inside of you, it's going to transform you from the inside out. And then you're going to transform the world around you. Come and learn from me. That's a kingdom concept. And see, this is a picture of what real discipleship looks like. It's someone who is following Jesus, learning from Jesus, growing in Jesus. The crowds came to see, but they didn't all stay to become disciples. The kingdom advancement Jesus came to the earth to create is not one simply of attracting large crowds and producing incredible worship experiences as great as that is and as wonderful as that is. His kingdom advancement was to make disciples people who experience an inward transformation as they followed him. And the mission is the same for the church. It's the same for you and me. In Matthew chapter 28, as Jesus is getting ready to ascend into the physical heavens, he gathered all of his followers around him. Again, this is one last teaching moment. He's about to go up into the sky, and this is what he told them to do. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Ministry, listen, ministry is not about drawing crowds and building hype. It's about making Making disciples and Jesus' strategy for advancing his kingdom and bringing heaven down to earth is about making disciples who, disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples and then suddenly the whole world has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that sets us up perfectly for this third concept of kingdom advancement that we see in the ministry and life of Jesus it's to go and be. Go and be. It's come and see, learn from me, go and be. I love when God speaks to me in rhyme. I love that. It just sticks. It's wonderful. Go and be. Let me show you this concept in Scripture. Look with me at Matthew 9, 35. Matthew 9, 35. This is what the Bible says. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. There it is. And healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let me stop right there because I just want to point this out. You see the come and see concept of ministry here. In, in Jesus' ministry, he's, he's coming to your town. He's going to preach in your synagogue. He's going to hold a healing service in the middle of town on the street. He's proclaiming the kingdom where you are. And subsequently, healings and, are, are breaking out. And diseases are leaving people's body. And awesome things are happening in every town he comes to. He is declaring kingdom and God is moving. And then he sees these crowds of people and he's got such compassion for them. Now look at verse 37. It says, "'Then he said to his disciples.'" Now, this is important because he did not say this to everybody who came to see him. He didn't say this to the crowds that he was looking on with compassion, the crowds that came to see. He turned to those who were actively following him and putting themselves in a position to learn from him and receive something from him of eternal value. Those who were actively following him, this is what he said to them. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So here Jesus is making his intentions for his disciples very clear. It's time for you yourselves to get involved in the work of the kingdom as well. There is a great harvest potential here, but the workers are few. So I need my disciples, not just the ones who are coming to see what I can do, but those who have been sitting at my feet and learning from me. I also now need them to go and be and help me to bring in the harvest that God has destined for us in this ministry time. And so this is what Jesus does in the very next verse. It's one chapter over in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says again, Jesus calls his 12 disciples to himself, and watch this. He gives them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, this is important. I want you to see this. He gave them his own authority. The king gave the citizens the authority of the kingdom. The king gave it to them, and with that authority, they were then able to also bring the power of heaven down to the earth to invade the darkness and push it out with the light of Jesus Christ. Now look with me again at Matthew 10:7. We looked at this earlier. look at it again. This is what he told him. One more time. He says, "As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely you have received. Now freely give." Jesus gave them authority to proclaim the message of the kingdom but not just to proclaim it. He also gave them the authority to demonstrate the power of the kingdom to bring the will of God in heaven down to the earth. Isn't that what Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer? He said, as it is in heaven, bring it to the earth. God, let your will in heaven be what we experience on the earth. If it's your will in heaven for me to be healed, then let me experience healing here on the earth. If it's your will in heaven for me to break through doors." that seem locked and, and, and that I can't get through, then Lord, open that door for me. He said he's going to give you the keys and whatever you bind on earth will be bound. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose. How about a door that's standing shut that you know God's called you to walk through swinging open for you because the will of heaven is invading the earth. How about that lost loved one that you've been praying for for years and you didn't think they would ever give their heart to Jesus? Suddenly, having a dream in the middle of the night where they see Jesus and they see Jesus calling to them out of their sin and into his light. Come on, what happens when the will of heaven begins to invade the earth and change everything, change everything about everything that's going on around you and in our world and in your family? That's what happens. He's given us authority. See, anywhere the kingdom is proclaimed, the power of the king shows up. And that's God's will for his church. We're called to advance his kingdom. And this is how we do it. We go into the harvest field where lost people are, and we introduce them to Jesus, the Savior of the world. And if I can just be real honest with you for just a moment, church, I think that this is where we struggle the most as a church. I believe that we have a strong come and see ministry here. Yeah, God, God is, is always here. He's always present when we come together for worship, and that's a wonderful thing. He's with us. He meets us here when we gather in his name. He powerfully demonstrates his glory among us. We experienced that just last week in the altars. The glory of God just flooded this room. It was tangible. You could feel it. You could sense it. God was working in such a miraculous way. He does that, and I love that he does that. That's the way it should be. I'm sorry, but I don't think churches should be dead and dry places where we sing about a God that used to do things, but he's not doing them now. I believe that church should be a place where you can come and meet with God. You can come and see him, and you can see his power at work, in the place, touching people's hearts and lives. I believe that. Amen. It's great that when we come together on Sunday, we experience the power of God. That is the way it should be, but that's not the only way Jesus ministered on the earth, and it's not the only way he's called us to minister as his church on the earth. We also need the second part of Jesus' ministry, that disciple-making part, that learn-from-me part. And it's interesting, if you read through the Gospel of John, you'll see that it is written very methodically. To include two things that happen in conjunction with one another over and over and over again throughout Jesus' ministry it's miracle narrative and miracle discourse. They go hand in glove throughout the Gospel of John. If you read it, you'll see it. Miracle narrative, miracle discourse. This is what I mean. You don't just get the story of the miracle, you get the teaching and the application that goes with it. So you don't just read about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, you also get the teaching on how Jesus is the bread of life. You don't just get the story of how he turned water into wine, you also get the teaching on how Jesus is the water from the well that will never run dry. You don't just get the miracle of the healing of the man born blind. You also get Jesus' teaching on spiritual blindness and light versus darkness. See, Jesus understood that his teaching and his preaching were just as important as his signs and wonders. He understood that it was foundational, and he did both very faithfully during his ministry on the earth. You read about it in the other Gospels, too. You see him do an amazing miracle. And then the next thing you read is that he took the disciples to himself and showed them some things and talk to them. What was he doing? He was, just, he was teaching them what they just saw. Now, wasn't that awesome? Now let's go do it again. No, no. Let me, let me build some teaching here that's going to undergird the signs and wonders part of the ministry here. And we're called to do both as well as the church. And I believe that we do a pretty good job in this one as well. The reason I believe that is because we teach and preach the Word of God here. Here at Life Chapel, you are not getting man's opinion. You are getting the word of God. And there's a difference between those two things. There's a big difference. And there's a really good reason why we spend our time on Sunday mornings teaching and preaching from the scriptures and not somebody's ideas or or their own mindset. It's because that is where transformation happens. That is where life change happens. That's where spiritual growth happens. We are confronted by the word of God and the word of God calls us from the place we've been living to the place that God is calling us to live. If you look at John chapter 8 verse 31, you see this. Jesus spoke to it. In John chapter 8 verse 31, this is what he says. It says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Not the teaching of somebody else. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now watch this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm telling you, a big problem in the churches today is that we're giving you something that is not truth, and so nobody's getting set free because somebody's idea and somebody's opinion does not have the power to set you free. Only the word of Jesus has the power to set us free. And the mark of a true disciple isn't somebody who's following from afar or just comes to witness an amazing miracle then goes back to their house. The mark of a disciple, according to Jesus, is someone who holds to his teaching, holds to the Word of God, and then the Word goes to work in you and it begins to set you free. That's transformation of your heart and mind. That's where it takes place. Man's wisdom, man's own ideas, and and don't let me leave women out. Their ideas too, just as bad. Just as bad. Powerless to save. I'm, well, it depends on if your if you're lady's a woman of God. Amen. We had this whole thing yesterday. We took family pictures. I wanted to wear Crocs. She said no. I was like, that's not from the Lord. Those Crocs are holy. Amen. Amen. I feel that word in my spirit. But it's the word of God that transforms. The Bible says it's the word of God that's sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates penetrates. That's, it, it divides between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart, the Bible says. It's the Word of God that is able to equip the man or woman of God for every good work according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And if we come together every Sunday and all you get is a longhorn sermon. Come on, you Texas folks, do you know what that means, a longhorn sermon? It's two points with a bunch of bull in the middle. Come on. <laughs> If all you get is a bunch of good stories and feel-good sayings and self-help suggestions, but you don't get the Word of God, then there will be no life change. There will be no confrontation of your sinful nature. There will be no revealing of the heart of God for your life. There will be no transformation by the renewing of your mind. The Scripture says the Word washes us. It is the pure and holy Word of God. And when it comes forth from His mouth and we receive it by faith, it goes to work purifying our our hearts and minds and causing us to become more like Jesus. We're here to make disciples. You can't do that apart from teaching and preaching the word of God. And with what we do on Sundays and our life groups throughout the week and our own commitment personally to reading the scripture daily, all of these things fall into that learn from me part of Jesus' mission. And I think we do a pretty good job with that at Life Chapel. We can improve for sure. We don't have it figured out. We're not perfect or anything like that. I'm just saying I think we're accomplishing for the most part that part of our mission here. But it's this third one, this go and be part of our mission. If I'm being real honest, I don't think we're as strong here. And, and, And I want to be clear about this because not all of us fall into that category. There are some folks in our church who this is what they're really good at. The, the, the mission to the community. There are people in our church that make an enormous impact in the community every single week, the way that they reach out and love on people and just share the love of God and even share financial resources with people who are struggling and in need. It is amazing to me what some people do, and I'm, I'm not in any way, shape, or form minimizing what those folks are doing for the Lord. We celebrate that. That's part of our church. But our church as a whole, I believe that there's a weakness in our achieving our missional mandate, this is it. We don't go and be as well as we should. We love to come and see. We love the presence of God. We love to learn from me. We love to hear what he's got to say to us today. But the missional opportunities that God has given us, I'm talking about Monday through Saturday, that's where, that's where we're not always hitting the mark. Come on, am I preaching truth right now? And to be fair to us, most churches struggle with this as well. But this is part of our calling as Christ followers. We have a missional mandate to go and be disciples of Jesus who disciple others, who minister to others, who who bring light into the world for others. We have a missional mandate, but more than that, it's a divine opportunity, I believe, to bring the kingdom of heaven down to the earth and help those who are far from God experience his love and grace. And so with just a few minutes, the remainder of our time today, I want to give you a really Practical way that you can go and be and make a difference in our world. This is it. Go and be his church. Go and be the church. This is amazing because, again, we're not talking about reinventing something. We're simply talking about going and being who you already are in Christ Jesus. We used to sing a song in Sunday school called This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. You remember that song? There was a verse of that song that said, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. And I think one of the things that's hurting the church today is that for some reason we're hiding the light of Jesus Christ under a bushel instead of holding it out for the people to see that they're the ones who have hope. They're the ones who have light in this dark world. They're the ones who are still trucking on when everybody else is falling apart. It's the people of God. Why? Because we've got Jesus. Don't hide it anymore. Don't bury it underneath the sand. Lift it up and proudly say, I'm a follower of Jesus and he loves you just as much as he loves He loves me, and he would love for you to become a follower of his as well. Go and be his church. I want to challenge you with something today, and this is a challenging message for myself, but I want to challenge you to see yourself as a spiritual contributor and not just a spiritual consumer. See, come and see is about spiritually consuming. Even, even learning from me is, is, is spiritually consuming. You're consuming from Jesus, and there's nothing wrong with that. But go and be is not spiritually consuming. It's spiritually contributing. And this can be hard for us for a number of reasons. I think one is, just, just speaking honestly, is that human beings are selfish by nature. We naturally, most of us, we think about consuming way more than we think about contributing. If I go into the McDonald's drive-thru, I think about that uh, Big Mac I'm about to eat Way more than I think about the money I'm about to pay for it. It's true, and this is this is a time of confession. I do eat McDonald's occasionally. I'm trying to stop that. I really am trying to do better. Pray for me. But we—it's hard because we're just kind of—we're wired to think about—we're wired to see the world as consumers, naturally, and it can also be hard for us because I think in many faith traditions, maybe what some of you are used to or what you grew up in. You, you kind of got it backwards, where the pastor is the spiritual contributor and the congregation is the spiritual consumers. And see, a lot of churches have that kind of system in place uh, where, where they're just here to receive, 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 and the pastor's the one that we pay to do the work of the ministry. The problem with that is it's not biblical and it's not a model after Jesus' ministry. My job is not just to contribute to you. That's part of it but it's to equip you so that you can also be a contributor and not just a consumer. And so I want, to, I want to show you something in the Scripture real quick in John chapter 4, verse 31. It's an interesting story about Jesus and his disciples. It says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? <laughs> They're like, where did he get the snack? I didn't get a snack. And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, watch this. The disciples are looking at Jesus here in this text, and they're worried about his consumption. Jesus, you should really consume something. You should really eat something. And when he doesn't seem to be hungry, not interested in consuming anything in this moment, they're perplexed by this. And the reason they're perplexed is because that's how they live their lives. They live their lives thinking in a consumer mindset. But look at what Jesus says here. He says, listen to me, what nourishes me is to feed others. What fills me up is to do the work of God. It's to minister to others. The disciples are concerned with consumption, but Jesus was focused on contribution. And this is what I want you to know today. If we are living out our calling in Christ Jesus, then we should see ourselves as spiritual contributors and not just spiritual consumers. Listen, the church does not exist only for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. That's the the right way to see this thing our food the thing that gives us nourish, nourishment and energy and life is not to constantly consume from the church but instead to contribute to others as the church and there are two callings that we have as the church of Jesus Christ as we're going and being his church the first one is to build up to build up and the second one is to branch out it's to build up and it's to branch out first we're called to build up the church I want to show you this quickly In Romans chapter 12, verse 4, Paul's writing to the church, and he says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Now, let me just be real clear about this. The members he's talking about, they're not like separate personalities within you. They're like your fingers, okay? That's what he's talking about. One body, many members, that's what it is, okay? Just to be clear. So, we don't all have the same function. So, in Christ, we... Though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. He's painting the picture of being a spiritual contributor and not just a spiritual consumer. Look at the next part of that. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. There are seven gifts listed here in this text. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, showing mercy. Seven gifts that God distributes to the body so that the ministry, so that the church can be built up. And these are just a fraction of all the spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament that God has called the church to function in. But they've been given to the church, to the body, for the ministry to the body. So this is what I want you to know today. You've got a gift, at least one. You might have multiple gifts, but you've got at least one that God has called you to function in so that the body can be built up. And if you don't function in the gift that God's given you, the body suffers because that need is not being met within the body of Christ. You have a gift, and God wants you to use that gift as a spiritual contributor to build up the church. Now, we have a system here at Life Chapel that's designed to help you figure out what your gift is. If you don't know what your gifts are, what your calling is, it's called Growth Track. We're going to do it again the second Sunday of October, October 9th. We're going to do it at night here in the community room at 530. And I just want to invite you, if you're new to Life Chapel or you've been coming for a while and you haven't gotten plugged in yet, or, or maybe you've been here for a while and you're even serving, but you don't feel like you've really tapped into your gift. I want to invite you to come. You can sign up online or on the app that Pastor Mark mentioned earlier. We want to help you. That's part of our job as a church is to equip you to know what your gift is and then put you in position to release that gift so that the body of Christ benefits from that. But we're not just called to build up the church. We're also called to branch out. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. The Scripture says, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I love this verse of Scripture. I quote it a lot. But it says that as you do good deeds among the people that are far from God, as you do good deeds... They will then turn and not glorify you for how awesome you are. They will in turn give glory to God. And see, this is a huge game changer for your life. Listen, it's also a huge game changer for our city. It's a huge game changer for our world. If the church will wake up to this, that we are the light of the world and we are called to shine that light. When they see the light and they notice it, they're gonna wanna be a part of it. They're gonna wanna give glory to God. This is the best and most effective strategy for leading people to Jesus. It is just simply by being like Jesus and leading them to Him. And when you, when you live your life that way, as a follower of Jesus who's actually living like Jesus, it makes people who are far from God want to know how they can live the kind of life you're living. But living like Jesus is the key. And as we talk about going and being the church, this is really what it all comes down to. Just go and be like Jesus. I'm preaching to myself. This morning on the way to church, it was like I was getting caught by every red light, and I did not feel like acting like Jesus. But check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) We're called to be like him, right? Amen. This is the main point of today's message. We are saved not just for ourselves, but we're saved so that we can help bring salvation to the world. God makes a difference in us so that we can be a difference for others. And help lead them to Jesus. I want the band to come up and begin to play softly. And as they come, I want to ask you a challenging question today. The question is this. What are you doing with the gifts you've been given? What are you doing with the gifts you've been given? Are you burying those gifts underneath the sand? Are they lying dormant in your life? When you think and and talk about the gifts of the Spirit at work in your life, is it always a story from the past? Yeah, Pastor, you're right. The 80s were great. Back in 1986, you won't believe what God used me to do. Are they dormant? Listen, if you're breathing, God wants to use you. If you're still breathing, He still has a plan for your life. You can still help to bring heaven to the earth. So what are you doing with the gifts you've been given? Are they buried? Are they lying dormant? Or are you... Stewarding them well. That's what the Bible, that's the Bible word for using your gifts, is stewarding them well. Stewarding them. Investing them. And the result, the net result, the net impact of when we steward our gifts well is the kingdom advances. People come to faith in Christ. People go deeper in their faith. God moves, God heals, God delivers, God sets free because people are using their gifts to the glory of God. Life Chapel, we are called to be people who go and be, not just come and see, not just learn from him, but we are called to go and be. We are the church and we exist for the world. I want you to think about it this way. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. What a privilege. This is not about duty. This is not about religious effort. This is not about work. This is something that we get the privilege of doing. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a world that is in such desperate need of him. It just so happens that he is the one we proclaim. I came across this quote this week from Teresa of Avila about being the hands and feet of Jesus. She wrote, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world yours are the feet with which he walks to do good yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world yours are the hands yours are the feet yours are the eyes you are his body Christ has no body now on earth but yours that's incredible That's incredible. What an incredible opportunity to make a difference in our world. Come on, stand with me all across the room. We're going to pray in just a moment. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, for challenging us today through your word. God, let it take root in us. Let it produce harvest in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I felt like the Holy Spirit just said something to me, and I just, I just want to be faithful and, and, and say it. I think some of you, you struggle to know what it's like to be like Jesus because you haven't seen a good example of that. Maybe, maybe your church experience was, was one of religious duty, and it was rules and regulations. It was lists of right and wrong, and it was you better not do this or you're going to hell. And if you read the Gospels, that's not what you see in the life and ministry of Jesus. Did he shy away from talking about hell? No, he talked about it. Did he, did he shy away from speaking the truth? No, he spoke the truth, but he spoke it in love. And there was an anointing on his words that caused people who were lost to be found. And some of you, you need to change the way you think about being like Jesus. You need to change the way you think about it to actually be like Jesus, what his word says. Others of you, there's such a fear here. And again, I I just feel impressed to say this. I'm not bashing the church today, I promise. But I just, I feel like maybe this is what was modeled to you is that the church is this kind of like, safe space from the world and it's a sanctuary and we're just going to huddle together every Sunday and wait for the rapture. That is not what the Bible teaches you to live your life as. It's just not. We're not called to find the safe corner and wait out the storm. We are called to bring light into darkness. To invade the kingdom of hell with the kingdom of God. That's our calling in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that the, that the gates of hell will not prevail against you. That's how strong you are in Christ. That's how mighty you are. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to step out, to be light, to speak truth. Don't be afraid to show love. Don't be afraid to show compassion. Don't be afraid to show mercy. Don't be afraid to walk with Jesus into difficult circumstances and situations that you see all around your world. Because God wants to use you to bring healing. To people's hearts and people's lives. Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Add value to people's lives. The band's going to lead us in this song, and as they do, I would just want you to have a conversation with the Lord today. How is he calling you to add value to the world? How is he calling you to be his hands and feet? How is he calling you to be light in this dark, dark, dark world? Come on, talk to Jesus about that. We'll pray in just a moment.